Alright, Genesis chapter 3 is where we're at. Um, last week we spoke about God calling uh, Adam and Eve and uh, out. He um, confronted them. We talked about uh, the path to disobedience. We talked about what to do when, when you realize, what not to do when you realize that you've sinned. Um, we spoke about uh, how they should have acted in response to, or in contrast to how they actually reacted, okay? Um, we pretty much led or ended with the idea that our mind must hold to God's truth. A lesson for all of us to learn, and it's a hard one to learn, is the idea that we've got to do what is right no matter what the consequence is. And that's what's happened here with Adam and Eve is Eve decided to fall for what the, the snake had to say. She gave more trust to the snake than she did to God. Then when she came to Adam, Adam decided to partake instead of standing up for what was right. So they both made a decision to do something that they wanted to do or gave some sort of earthly pleasure as opposed to following God. And, you know, when we teach our kids, it's tough when they're in high school. You know, when they get into, they start, you know, their, their middle school year, for whatever reason, they go from innocent kids to these smelly foreigners. <laughs> and I don't mean like foreigners are smelly, I'm just saying they are smelly and they're completely... They're, they're not the you. same, they're foreign to us. That's, they're not the same child that we had been raising up through sixth grade. I don't know what it is with this fifth or sixth, sixth or seventh grade, depending on when your middle school starts. But it's just like, who is this child who refuses to bathe, you know? <laughs> what child is this? <laughs> yes, you know. And they, they're starting to, the innocence is starting to go away because there's, Especially today, you know, you know, Doug and I was talking out there, how quickly the world gets to our children through mm -hmm. oh, yeah. everything. I, it doesn't even have to be a cell phone. We all know that the TV programs and the, the schools are teaching these days. I read the other day somewhere that, uh, did I mention the whole sex work thing, trying to be put it into schools? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's insane. Of course, sexual ed is now about alternative lifestyles and you know i mean i remember in my day people freaking out because they were teaching sex you know now that's a staple now they're teaching alternative lifestyles and and all that kind of stuff um so these poor kids they're not learning that no matter the consequence we have to do the right thing and that is because we as adults aren't following setting that example we compromise we let our desires our wants our needs <clears throat> supersede that of what is right and wrong I don't believe there's a gray line between right and wrong there is a right and there is a wrong right you know that's just all there is to it um, and and, and it's perfectly seen between Adam and Eve and God and the devil here is you have the two sides saying completely different things. God says don't. The devil says you're fine. 
and yet, and they're stuck with the decision. They both can't be right. Okay? When we're faced with that type of decision, they're, they're either both wrong, or there is one that is right, and there is one that is wrong. You can't both, when two, you have two contrasting ideas, they both can't be right. And so when we talk about not changing the word of God and we talk about living by the laws of, of the, the word and that kind of stuff, we have to make that decision. And when we decide not to follow God's word or his life, when God, we all agree that God has a lifestyle. He, he wants us to live mm-hmm. and he wants it to be as holy as it can possibly be. When we decide to allow those things into our lives, we're making a decision that the other side is more authority than God, okay? And we'll be confronted, because that's exactly what happened here. Adam and Eve made a decision, and God confronted them. And so that's what we start with today in verse 14. The word that the world doesn't like. I'm probably not going to spell this right. That's about right. I think so. Woohoo! Looks right. (laughs) As long as it looks right to everybody, I don't really care. (laughs) All right. Consequences. That's a bad word. Okay. That's a a, a, no. The world today does not like the c word. It is always somebody else's fault. It is a disease. It is a whatever you want to call it. I was born that way. It's, uh, you know, and that's the whole idea. If you can push it off on something else, then you're okay. And it's a, and it's a funny thing is, is even if I bought that kind of stuff, that it really was David's fault that I'm addicted to Snickers. It is all his fault. <laughs> that's what he gave me every day. He gave me Snickers. Right. It is all his fault. <laughs> it still doesn't make continuing in it okay. You know, when I realize that Snickers are evil and I shouldn't be taking the three musketeers from my lovely wife, if I continue to take the Snickers from David after, even after I know that it is wrong, that doesn't justify it. That is, that is now on me. And that is what happens is, is people are, I was raised a certain way. I didn't know any of that was bad. Absolutely. And that is completely fine. But now that you're shown it by the word of God, now that we have the understanding that this is not a lifestyle we're supposed to live, what typically happens? They stay living in that lifestyle and they continue with the, it's not my fault or I was born that way or whatever the excuse was. They use the excuse to justify the continuing of the sin. And that's the downside to that. Once we are faced with the truth, we now have that what God said versus what the world says. Um, I know pastor and everybody, and I'm sure you've heard it all the time, people raising their kids say, well, you know, I don't want to force church on them. I don't want to indoctrinate them. I don't want them, you know, I want them to make their own decision, their own choice. How many choices can a person make if they only have one option? Mm-hmm. They want to go make one. Oh, they don't go to church. I let them decide for themselves. Did you take them to church? Well, no. Well, there's a shocker. Yeah. 
right now in the schools, I know in the schools around us, they have signs all over in the hallways of different organizations and different meetings that the kids can go to for alternative lifestyles. Yeah. Why are we as Christians not bombarding the schools with signs like that? <laughs> and I'm thinking that our consequences are going to be much worse. Well, and, and I'm a strong believer America is what it is today because we've allowed, we've not stood our ground. You know, I understand there are other belief systems in this world. I understand that although America was based upon uh, Christian principles, it was still a freedom, freedom of religion country. I have no problem with other people having different opinions. But we have gotten to the fact that everybody else's opinion matters and ours is racist or homophobic mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Jim? I think the thing is, too, is they, they're not teaching critical thinking. And then in addition to that, when they do, you do put out, even if you want to call it your opinion, you've given the word of God, they'll say, well, you're closed-minded. Well, how can I be closed-minded if I'm willing to listen to your whatever that is, yeah. and then I give you what I believe or my opinion, but I'm closed-minded. Yeah. Well, and in all honesty, it, when you listen to them, you talk. You know, even take religion on the side. When you listen to their political views, <clears throat> just different political views, views. You know, they're talking about freedom of speech and and, and acceptance when they're not accepting or, or right. open-minded for other ideas. Not even just my Christian ideas. Just people that have a different idea. You know. And so, but that's the Holy Spirit. That's what happens. That's a person that is, we talked about that. You know, when a person is being pounded upon by the Holy Spirit, they get mad and they get angry. You either accept it and change or you dig in and get angry. You know, that, that's what happens to individuals when they're faced with, faced with God calling you out. Where are you? And, and you don't like, you know. I don't know how many times, you know, our kids, my answer has been, I don't care if you like it. <laughs> or, or it should be. If it's not, I'm just telling you it should be. You know, I didn't, my mom and dad didn't ask my permission where we went to eat or what we did or what we had for dinner. Or mom made what mom made, and I sat and ate cold Brussels sprouts an hour later. Mushy, nasty, gross. Because I refused and refused. I sat at the table, and I did it. You know, there wasn't no getting up later or I felt bad. I know how many times, I know it doesn't look like it, but I went to bed without dinner. Not very often because that was a very effective tool. You must have your <laughs> it didn't happen very often because Trevor was hungry, right? So consequences. This is consequences. We have consequences. I think Christianity, today's Christianity, or what I could call American Christianity, has removed the consequence. They will teach that God loves you just the way you are, and that is true. He doesn't expect you to change to come to him, but he expects to change afterwards. If you're not growing, you're not living in, in God's word. You know, our babies are cute. If they're still acting like that 16 years later, it ain't so cute anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? They get to about six or seven years old you know they they gotta start getting potty trained to walk on their own at some point right <laughs> gotta get out of the diapers and stuff 
So the same is for us. So the serpent, verse 14. Do you want it read? Yes, please. And the Lord God said unto the servant, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt, shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. All right, so um, basically what's the first one there? Basically, curse what above all. He lost his legs. Um, and then, yeah, and then he lost his. Always move in the dirt. He used the lizard? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Of some sort. I have no idea what it was, but yes, it does. I mean, it talks about, I mean, it's very clear in there yeah. that it will now move on its belly and its diet's going to be dirt. Um, you know, the whole cursed above every beast of the field. <sighs> Some people said, well, because everything else has legs, that means everything else is above it. That's why, you know, you know, it's lower than everything else. So, you know, any of those type earthworms and all that kind of stuff, you know, you think about worms and stuff. So I guess all that would somehow fall into that category, maybe came from that, I, you know. Biology-wise, I don't know if it actually fits, if all that stuff fits together, but... Snakes are different than worms. Correct, but they don't have legs. So obviously, somehow or another, the curse followed along to them. That's what I'm saying. Um, they, uh, so here you have these two. And the interesting part about this is uh, the snakes being cursed. Now, we're talking about the snake part, all right, because there's a separate one for well, yeah. for those who are controlling. Does that mean that the snake could have refused to follow what the devil was trying to do with it? Sounds that way, doesn't it? Anybody else? There's not really a right or wrong answer here, just so you know. <laughs> just Anybody? I believe I believe it absolutely because if it says because you've done it, if you've done it, then it means you had a chance not to do it. Yeah, being punished. Yeah. Well, I was, so I was looking this up. Wearsby says because the creature yielded to Satan and shared in the temptation, it is judged and condemned to the lowly life. Okay. Didn't he have angels also that followed him? Yeah, when they kicked, when they came up, and and they and will all. Yeah. They're all cast off. Yes, so they would they would have had a choice. So I think the serpent would have had a choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it leads to that, Paula. You know, the devil wasn't really a snake, but he was used to appear as a snake, I guess. I I mean, it, from what I understand so, here, I mean, it he to appear through anything really. To me, yeah. it seems like almost like he possessed a snake. Yeah, Is that a bad... I don't think he just appeared as a snake because God punished all of snake kind. So I'm believing it's more uh, of the frame of mind that he actually took control of something that had the ability to refuse, I guess. Which opens up the whole can of worms about how the animals acted in the Garden of Eden. And the speaking is still and all that kind of stuff. Real fast, Jim. I say, I think it's he gave itself over to. Just like when you say people, like they give themselves over to Satan worship and then they become literally possessed. Yeah. With, I think at some point 
doesn't say this, but the, the, the snake, which at that point had legs, started listening and giving itself over to the things that Satan was saying. What he said to it, yeah. I have no, I mean, we yeah. have no right. However, how it came about, the picture is that if you, Give over. if you're coerced to, into doing something that God didn't want you to do, that he originally created you for, you will share in the same consequence. I mean, it's just like in the law. If I'm riding around with a guy that stole a car and I knew he stole the car, they're not going to let me off. I'm going to get in trouble too, you know, and, that, and that's, and that's, we as Christians, we need to make very careful again, back to the whole family idea. If we're not living to the letter of the law, our children and children's children may also pay for our sins. You know, so, so this idea of it's not that big of a deal. Well, he could have appeared as an angel. That's what he was. But I look at it as that shows you since the beginning of time how Satan can take over you and mm -hmm. run your life. Absolutely. And he did that to that serpent. Absolutely. Before you even realize it, he, he's into that, and he's got that, and he's messing with the, with Eve. It's subtle. He doesn't just show up as this horned devil like the world tries to portray him as. He is, what does it say? The, the, this, well, it even says that the snake was what? More uh, subtle, more... Um, the, and then the rest of the, you know, then the rest in the field, you know, maybe it was more prone to, I have no, I don't know. A lot of this is all hearsay and conjecture and, and all that stuff. But the bottom line is, is however it happened, because it was used in this temptation, snakes are now, we ha are, are no longer the way God originally intended them. They were cursed. And so to us, I think it just opens up reiterates that idea make sure you're following the word of god god created you for a purpose make sure you're in it and i continue to ask the question of what was god's original idea between the interaction between man and animal i, I think that's the question i want to know here you have now you have a snake that can be talked into doing stuff you have animals that conversate with with, with man Prior to this, they were, I don't think they were meat-eating because there wasn't any yeah. murdering prior to that, you know. So I think about this paradise, Ben. Excuse me. Um, but yet, God doesn't think that a serpent is just a dumb animal because you got that verse in there, why is a serpent harmless as a dove? Mm -hmm. So you know that, that God realizes that <clears throat> maybe it's not wise as in good wisdom, but it's sneaky wisdom in yeah. there. Yeah. But he realizes that the serpent is able to think about things yeah. like that. You know, and of course, the the devil's advocate side to all this, especially with um, Judas and stuff. Why, why would God, if God knows the devil's going to use the snake, and the snake is the most crafty one in the thing, why make a snake? Mm -hmm. Why not just nip it in the bud? Because God, it's free will. And that's, that goes back to the very, very beginning. God gave man everything, and they still had an option to choose. So he allows things to happen, and, and, and we make that decision. He, he still came to that decision. Adam and Eve made that decision to not listen. You know, and that gives, I want to say that gives me hope. Eight, nine, ten thousand years away from the Garden of Eden, 
You know, I never walked in the garden with God. I didn't speak with God. And we still struggle with that today about doing what is right and what is wrong. You know, following that. So the serpent, uh, there's that one. All right, verse 15. So now we got Satan. Yes, please. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. All right. Enmity. All right. Enmity between thee and the woman. I got two different things here. Enmity between thee and the woman, and then between thy seed and her seed. All right. First things first. Verse 15 here, this is the first mention of the gospel. All right, we talk about the New Testament being the gospel and Jesus Christ coming and, and all that kind of stuff. This right here is the very beginning of the gospel. Amen. Because what does it say? It says, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise its heel. This is the idea. This is where God says there will be redemption. There will be the one that will come that will put the final. So you got enmity, and then you've got actually basically his ending. Okay. Now, at one point, Satan was just going to handle all that by his own, but now because of this, Christ is coming. So, verse fifteen, mark it down that that is the beginning and the first talk of the gospel or of salvation. Okay. Enmity between thee and the woman. Um, we know later on that that um, Adam names uh, Eve as the mother of all, of all living. Here we're talking about that constant battle. Um, verse in Ephesians six eleven through thirteen. I'll read this. This is about the armor of God. All right. It says, "Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil." Devil, devil, devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the, the evil day, and having to do and having done all to stand. Oh, excuse me. You have the kingdom of God. Verse, the kingdom of Satan. You have the earthly spiritual kingdom versus now there will be that constant struggle between good and evil. All right? Satan's kingdom is the earth. It's where he resides. This is where he's at. All right? You have that constant <laughs> feud, that constant battle. Um, you hear Paul mentioned about having that thorn in the flesh. Our bodies will constantly war against our spiritual flesh. Just like I can't walk past donuts. All right, no matter how much on a diet I am, no matter how healthy I try to be, someone brings candy into the house, okay? <laughs> we have this going on. And again, I believe this is what Christianity 
something like that. <laughs> this is what I believe in today's Christianity has gotten rid of the idea that there's a conflict. So they've bought into the premise that everything is good, that there really is no adversary. When the Bible talks about he is what? As a roaring lion. As a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy and devour. You know, there is a spiritual battle over your soul, over everyone's soul, over your families and your friends, over everything. There is a constant battle going on. And, and the devil is, he knows that his time is coming, okay? Because God already told him. So he works it little by little. I mean, you see, he gets out of the garden even. He started right away, mm -hmm. right off the bat. You know why he started right off the bat? Trying to kill that seed. Trying to kill that seed, right? Cain was the very first son, very first one to come out. He knows that there's a seed we're about to talk about. He knows that there's something to come. Satan's goal has been to make sure that that seed never happens. And if he can turn people and change them, then he can do his best. Now, we all know prophecy came. Jesus Christ died. He bruised his heel. All right, but he was resurrected. And so now the whole idea is to keep as many away from God as he possibly can. Misery loves company. Okay? We have to understand that when we make those decisions, that there are consequences. Now, Think about, go back to Eve, standing there listening to the devil and looking at the tree. If she knew at that exact moment what the honest consequences were going to be, would she have made those decisions? Probably not. Hopefully not, <laughs> right? If she knew the fate of the world was on her, you know, and what they exactly would be. So what the devil did was changed it up. He made sure that... She wasn't aware that there were going to be issues, that it wasn't that big of a deal. What did he say? Well, that's just what God says. It's not really going to happen. Right? Is that really what God said? And we've allowed the devil to remove the idea that there is a conflict. There is a bad side and there is a good side. Not everything proclaiming the name of Jesus is the name of Jesus. Okay? I gotta move on to this next section. Um, between her seed, or between thy seed and her seed, all right? So here we're talking about, and I got a whole bunch of verses here thy seed, the devil's seed. I come across something really weird, which is not, I, I come across weird stuff all the time when I'm studying this, but I've never heard this. Apparently, the devil and Eve had sex. What? <laughs> His seed is the those that came from that marriage. They're claiming that was Cain's side. Cain was a proponent of that. And then those that come after Cain are those of the godly side. All right? Stuff people will rather believe than what's the truth. Yeah. It's always a lot more outlandish. But... That's not what they're talking about, all right? First John three twelve says, "Not as Cain, who was the first wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, 
and his brother's righteous. All right. So we're not talking about a legitimate blood seed. We're talking about a person's works were evil. Okay. Their intentions, their ideas. Um, John 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Okay? We're talking way into the New Testament now. God or Christ is saying, your works make you a child of the devil. Okay, um, that was the Pharisees. That was where God was, or Christ was getting on the Pharisees. Um, then we have in Acts thirteen verses eight through ten. Remember the um, sorcerer Bar Jesus or, or Elymas? We talked about him. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his surname by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set eyes on him and said, O fool of all subtly and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteous, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? So Paul is not looking at this sorcerer and saying, oh, you must be an offspring of the, you know, uh, of the one night stand from the Garden of Eden. He is saying, you are trying to hinder the path of the gospel, you are standing in the way of the idea of Christ and, and all that kind of stuff. You um, you are a child of the devil. De 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 um, and then one more, one last one. First John. Where got this right? First John three. Uh, let's see, eight, eight through twelve. Um, talks we'll back up on. I know we just did the one, but um, he that committeth the sin, he that committeth sin, is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his sin remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Called my Christ. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doth not righteousness, is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Okay? So those that follow Christ are children of God. Those that follow the devil are children of Satan. Okay? There is a clear idea it runs through the Bible, and there's a lot more. I just was pulling out a handful of these um, that speaks to the idea that those that follow him are what they would consider his seed, children. He's your father, people that don't follow Christ, okay? So, knowing this, are we all following the same God? Negative. Negative. It's not possible because he is very clear that there are two types of people in this world. Those that are following God or those that are children of Christ or those that are children of the devil. We are not all doing the same thing. 
And the distinction between the two are those that are following the ways of Christ and accepted Christ as their personal Savior are the children of God. Those that are not are the children of the devil. It is clear cut right down the middle. This is this and this is that. And yet Christianity today muddies all that. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that a lost person, if he walks in this church, we should start pointing fingers and saying, "You child of the devil." Okay. <laughs> and sometimes you gotta whoop the devil out of your son. Okay. Sometimes that happens too. We should be open. We should be loving. We should be caring, just like God was in all these situations. Okay. And, and it all breaks down to that one particular thing. Uh, oh man, I really wanted to get through the rest of this. But you got to be cautious, though, too, that you don't get pulled into their sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the whole idea. Then, then you become, and, and that's just what happened. You know, Eve listened to him, and then she fell, and then God or um, Adam listened to her, and, and he fell. You know, that's the idea of this consequence. You have to make a stand. You know, there is a warring thing, and there are the seed, um, her seed. Is um, in Genesis 4:25 it talks about when Seth was born. At Eve looks and says, um, "What does it say?" Hold on. Uh, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth, for God said she hath anointed. For God said, for God said she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. All right? She recognizes that through her bloodline that there will be one that comes. She expected that, obviously, to be Cain. Cain went back. You know, Cain was apparently became a murderer, so it can't be him because he's still alive. Abel, he slew. God presented him her with Seth. And through Seth's lineage, he will, he will, um, they will come. All right, um, we're looking at a, a godly seed, a godly race of people. All right, Cain was marked and went on off. You can look back and see where a lot of the, those problems and stuff came from there um, and whatnot. Um, Romans 8:14. You have the inclusion of not just the race, the seed through um, Eve. From Seth, but you also have first A14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay. So there is a very clear kingdom of God versus you know a kingdom of Satan. And then you have a very, you know, you have these children of this, and you have children of that. And I think this is where I think this is where Christianity falls apart at the very beginning. Not American Christianity, whatever we want to call this Christianity today. It's the idea that they they have denied this. There's not really any there's not really an adversary out there. So if there's no adversary, there's not really any consequences. And now that all of this is gone, we can all it's just kind of up to our interpretation of what children of God are. And you hear that. You see that. Well, but I enjoy it. I like it. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with children. it. 
hate yeah, that. you know, we're all we're all God's children. Um, you know, yeah, we're all created created by God, but we're not all we're not all part of the kingdom of God. There's a, a, a very here, and we're just in chapter three. God has already drawn the line, already shown that there are now two. This is not how God intended it to be. He intended it, even when we get into the really touchy subject of uh, of Eve's curse. You know, none of this was intended. God has in, intended for us to all live happily in the Garden of Eden without any turmoil, without any sorrow. You know, work would have been fun. <laughs> it is. You know, it wouldn't have made you sweat, you know. <laughs> we wouldn't have to go on diets, you know what I mean? Probably wouldn't get sunburned. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but where we're at today is this is this is all all that's really taught in most of your your churches these days. And it's really sad. It's really really sad. All right. So um, next week we'll get into the um, the bruise bruise head. Um, and then we'll we'll get into the the very controversial part of uh, curses to man and woman. <laughs>